Hello, and welcome to another episode of SBCC Vaquero Voices, a podcast highlighting the unique voices that comprise our campus culture and how we're all working together to serve our students and the community at large. As usual, I'm joined by co-host Akil Hill. What's good, y'all? And this is a very special episode because it's just me and Akil running the, the two-man John today. So Just the two of us. Yep. We wanted to do kind of like a recap. I know it's been a while since our last episode, and, and there's just been a lot going on. So we kind of wanted to give not only our guests a little breather because we got some guests lined up, but we wanted to give everyone kind of a breather for the start of the semester and also allow for like a recap review of what's been going on because there's so much going on right now in the world, on campus, Absolutely. all over. So, I mean, I mean, it, it feels like our last episode was 8,000 years ago, but it's only been, you know, a couple months, but it's, it's, right. been, it's been a crazy time. And it's one of those things where I know that uh, for a lot of folk, SBCC has this like flow and schedule to it where, Oh, start of the spring semester. Oh, start of summer. Fall is this. Spring is this. Summer is this. And it's just been topsy turvy, unpredictable. I know the students have been feeling it, but just if it, I don't know if it makes makes anyone feel better, but everyone's been feeling it. It's like a universal kind of sentiment right now, where it's like you, you kind of know how things are going, but at any moment it could flip. And it's like it's not like a week to week. It's like day to day, hour by hour basis, where you some news could come in and you have to pivot. So it's just. It's just wild, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it's crazy, too. I was just thinking about what um, listening to you talk right now. And, you know, I've been at the college for a long time, right? 19 years. But I kid you not. I think the way that we actually break everything into semesters, it makes the year go by faster. And I remember when I was working prior to Santa Barbara State College, obviously, I was a lot younger, but it seemed like the years were a lot longer, but when you only break it into or well, spring and fall, and then you got two little summers uh, sessions in between, the year goes by faster. At least that's my experience. From a from a time management perspective, it definitely helps to kind of break things up, and it also gives you like some some kind of like milestone to reach. Like if if you're in a point where you're dragging, you can be like, oh, at least there's only like X amount of weeks left in the semester, right. uh, and because because it does feel like a fresh start. You see new students coming in you know, a different kind of feel around the campus. Like, like this campus community does kind of like ebb and flow in different ways. And it really is on the semester, you know, the semester calendar and the summer sessions, you know, going to be one summer session. So it's there, not to say it's predictable, but there, it really helped me coming in to here. It kind of gave me a nice pace to things and kind of a predictability aspect to it. But these last couple semesters and just the whole, you know, the last couple of years with the pandemic, have just been very unpredictable and things have been moving very fast. And I know it's not to say that folks aren't able to handle it, but it's probably not a familiar feeling for some folks where it's like things are shifting and and pivoting, like coming from the private sector, private sector seems to kind of roll like that all the time. But, uh, you know, when I was at the city, it it was, it was another thing where you were just kind of trying to figure out how things worked, And then you get into a predictable rhythm where when I was first at, it started here, it was kind of a similar thing. Not that it was, you know, there's always little nuances to the thing, but there was a predictable rhythm to things in terms of fall and spring and summer. But I feel like we're just throwing everything out the window and just kind of going. But I mean, I know your startups of semesters are always busy and that's predictable. Where you all, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but for me, yeah, it's, it's just been, it's, it's been interesting. I mean, for me, the beginnings and the ends are always just panic. You know what I mean? Like just everything coming at you, you know, for in the beginning, you know, I, I deal with athletic eligibility. So um, that's always just a, a heavy lift, but it's good. It's good for the students. I'm glad the students are back competing and being out on, on the field or on the court, um, just doing their thing, you know, so that's, that's super exciting. So what is know, the start of, what does the start of semester felt like for you? compared to previous kind of years? I mean, has it really just been wild or is it yeah. have you been able to find that rhythm in that in that in the craziness or uh this semester? No. <laughs> but other semesters were better, but this semester for some reason I I felt like it was more challenging. You know, I mean I don't know if it's pandemic fatigue slash um the students feeling that way. I um it just I haven't been able to get into a real good flow. It's and, something where this all happened over break in terms of the Omicron really kind of forcing the hand of policy decisions where we, you know, we started remote, you know, we rolled out with clear four and just, just all kinds of things kind of piled on top of each other. And then I definitely feel that, you know, in previous semesters, even under the pandemic, there was kind of an idea and we could, you know, the, the, the plans were kind of laid down ahead of time. This was really, you could tell there's a lot of on the fly kind of strategizing going on. Mm-hmm. And, and you could definitely feel that. 
Yeah, I mean, and then testing on campus, I'm thankful for that. But, you know, just the paperwork and it's not what it was and students are, it's just, it felt like a lot, but you see the students out there competing. Um, it kind of makes it all worth it. So got to get out there and support our, our athletics. I know baseball is, our baseball team is doing really well right now. I think they're like a five game winning streak. Um, tennis is doing, you know, pretty well softball, you know, all the spring sports. It's just good to be out in the open, you know, which is a benefit of living in, in Southern California. Yeah. And, and I feel like just getting through that process, jumping through those hoops and getting everything done and getting out there is a win. But to yeah. see that, the, see the athletes are actually out there and thriving and doing well. I mean, that's, that's awesome. So yeah, definitely, definitely have to get out there and support and, and do what we can, especially depending on your COVID sensitivities, the outdoor sports, you know, the outdoor seating. So there's, there's, there's less concern in terms of ventilation and stuff. So there's definitely a sport that will work. Also our, our theater is kicking up again. So, you know, if there's a show coming this spring, get your tickets. I think it's Murder on the Orient Express, but I will confirm and get, get that in the show notes as well. I mean, not to say back to normal because the new normal is going to be something else, but just to get kind of back into that semi-predictable rhythm of this the semester means this, this, and this, and this, this, and this. So hopefully we're, we're kind of inching closer to that. Yeah, I agree. It's, it feels that way. I mean, just in general, I guess it's, it's, it has been crazy and wild, but I mean, this is a chance to shout out faculty, staff, students, administration all around. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's been as about as smooth as, I mean, there's little things here and there that you could have changed and kind of adjusted, but overall the process hasn't been a crazy line at the check-in tables the first day back on the 22nd. It was pretty reasonable, uh, clear for probably some hiccups, but but in the grand scheme of things, that transition has been a success and, and there's some back end advantages to going to clear four. And, you know, I, I haven't heard anything about any issues in classes or anything like that. So the faculty and students have kind of rolled, rolled with all the policy changes as well. So shout out to everyone for really coming together as a community and making this kind of work as, as well as it could. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel a sense of gratitude for, you know, um, the leadership um, and how, you know, people kind of rally together. Together and you know, I sat on a few committees. You know, um, when we were kind of prepping for returning back to work, and I know Paloma um, has done an amazing job just making sure things weren't smoothly over here in student services. Um, you know, Angelica and you know my boss, you know, have has has done an amazing job. So I'm I'm definitely uh, thankful. And uh, people were working hard, man. People are definitely working hard out here to make sure that you know, our institution uh, continues to uh, operate in, in a smooth manner. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that, you know, so shout yeah, out. There's always room to kind of to, to say things could be done a little better, this and that, but overall they they've done a great job. And I, I can, I can definitely vouch for that. My boss Martha's on president's cabinet and I know they've been putting in long hours, both in meetings and after work kind of doing stuff. Dean, Dean Evans and it is burning yeah. that midnight oil. I I, I play video games with Dean sometimes, and I, I don't, I'm afraid to even ask him when his next available time is because it just isn't coming. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. So shout out to everyone. Thanks for all the hard work, everybody. And uh, I know the the semester's been busy. That's why that's why we haven't been recording for a little while. But we're back, and uh, we're we're gonna gonna keep it moving. You know that that's kind of what what we do. Yep. So. We never did our how we got to SBCC, Akil. All right. All right. Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm from Santa Barbara. Um, I wasn't really born. I'm in Santa Barbara. My father was in the military, so I was born overseas. And then I basically, when he got out of the military, uh, my mother's originally from Santa Barbara. Um, and so when he, uh, he got out of the military, we decided to move back to Santa Barbara, um, graduated from Santa Barbara High School. I'm just going to say it in the mid nineties, 94 to be exact <laughs> class of 94, uh, SBHS, you know, and then I left, um, you know, I just remember when I was in high school, I just felt like I needed to be around more black people. I left and went to school down South in Mississippi. And, um, so shout out to black history month too. So speaking of that, and, uh, and so then I realized the South wasn't for me, you know, so basically make a long story short, um, I moved up to the Bay Area 
and then after the Bay Area, I came back home to Santa Barbara and, you know, I start working and then I um, eventually basically ended up at Santa Barbara City College and started out in the bookstore and then um, came to admissions and then um, I've been in admissions pretty much ever since. So that's kind of most of my story in a nutshell. And you said 19 years. That's that's nothing to be that's nothing to sneeze at right there. That's man, impressive. We try and get those cowpers, man. Yeah, <laughs> I will say of all the jobs I've had or all the career paths I've taken, this is the the one place where it's not uncommon to see people that have been here 10, 15, 20, you know, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Whereas other places I've been, you know, five years is a lot. Ten years. Yeah. Like, what are you still doing here? You know, like yeah. you're not burnt, you're not burnt out yet. But yeah. So, so in terms of, of having that community and, and, you know, talk about institutional knowledge and, you know, the, the listening to your, respecting your elders and listening to the knowledge that they share, like it, 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 there's definitely something to be said for folks that stick around a long time and have seen kind of ebbs and flows over the years and kind of mm-hmm. help you put things in perspective when you need it. So like it's, it has been nice that, you know, seeing folks around campus that I've been able to lean on and just, just pick their brains, not about anything in particular, but just like, how, you know, just, just getting an idea of, of how things are, were, how things are to them. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a big advantage. It's a big, big kind of nice, nice thing to have for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel that you're absolutely right. You know, I think start thinking about my department. I've been in here 19 years and then there's other people that are just within my department have been here longer than me. So I'm not even up. I think I'm like third in the office. There's a couple other people that have been here longer than me in the office. And so like that institutional knowledge is definitely here. And, um, and that, that speaks volumes. Also, there's some challenges that come along with being here for so long too, is like, you know, I try to keep myself fresh, you know what I mean? Because it's easy to, to kind of go on that autopilot. Like I've been here, I know what I do. I know, you know, how things are done or, you know, we didn't used to do it like that. So it's just, you know, trying to stay looking at your job through, a fresh set of lenses uh, is always a good thing. And it doesn't feel like 19 years, but at the same time, it kind of does. You know? <laughs> when you got a child that's 18, it yeah. does feel like 19 years. <laughs> that, that's, and that's another kind of accolade you can, you can hang your hat on right there. Having, having raised a child to adult age, because my son is eight. And I'm just like, I don't even know how I'm going to get through the next 10 years to get to 18, <laughs> but it just ends up happening, I guess. But, yeah, yeah, it goes quick too. Because then they start hanging out with their friends, they start driving, they start, and then, you know. But I then mean, you my, gotta turn. Then you gotta turn the surveillance state on and be like tapping their phones. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny, that like, you know. Unfortunately, my daughter still doesn't drive, so I still get time with her, like in the mornings, picking her up and dropping her off. And you know, I was like, when I was her age, I wanted to drive, but you know, my parents couldn't afford a car, so we had that one dude in the clique that had a car and everyone was always in it you know so oh yeah but i'm not in a rush you know to for her to drive you know a lot of people are like she's not driving i'm like nah like and i'm glad i'm thankful for that but this summer i think she's ready to get out there on the road yeah i i was definitely not a driver i didn't even drive i didn't drive till i got out of college because i was I got my license when I was 18. It took me a while to get my license because I, I got the opportunity to get my license. Got suspended a year for some high school chicanery that we won't need to get into here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I didn't even get my license at 18, and I was I was just not a good driver. I was just terrified of driving, you know, because LA is is a big drive. I mean, I grew up grew up in in uh, East LA, the Western San Gabriel Valley, Monterey Park, Alhambra, that area. It's kind of if if folks that don't know, it's the area right next to East LA. And when I was growing up, it was still a suburb, but by now it's been, you know, we, we, my diaspora of people kind of filled it up and it's become, you know, part of LA. It's, it's, if you, if you want Chinese food in LA, you're going to go to the San Gabriel Valley and, and we're kind of part of the family now where when I was growing up, it felt like LA felt really far away. I, I did feel suburban, but just seeing that kind of change over the years. And then, you know, I went to high school down there and then went to college at Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, shout out to the Mustangs. And then, um, went back to LA after I graduated, I was working in video games and doing other stuff. And then came up here to work for the city of Santa Barbara with, you know, with your mom at the library, uh, did 12 years at the library. And then, uh, was it, you know, been here, been here ever since. And the thing about what you were talking about earlier about, you know, staying updated, always learning, you know, after you've been, been somewhere, it was the kind of thing at the, at the library where I was, you know, I was updated with the technology, 
but there were some personnel shifts and things that happened and I I didn't update my personality you know like there's there's kind of concessions that I could have made in hindsight that mm-hmm. maybe I'd still be at the city as well but at the same time like I'm a stubborn guy in some ways too so like that was like yeah it was one of those things where but but I'm here now and I'm happy yeah yeah you know it's it's yeah so I'm in 2019 2019 uh December of 2018 so my first okay. full year was 2019 yeah so still so I'm I'm a relative baby in terms of SBCC <laughs> yeah you are you definitely yeah. are you know? I mean, some folks look at me like I'm some kind of like like longtime veteran. I try to tell them like, no, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm like the, everyone I talk to is like, ten years, fifty, like I said, and it's like I'm I'm trying to get there, and I hopefully will, and I've hope I hope I have enough institutional knowledge to kind of pass muster and, and get the job done. But yeah, I still I I still I try to stay humble in that respect. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's you know, I've my time here at Santa Barbara State College. I've I've definitely come to cherish and appreciate you know and and the more that i kind of reflect upon it it's like you know some of the challenges that we that we face as an institution we're not only alone in those challenges you know other institutions other places are grappling with the same problems um but i do say that our sense of community here at city college is is unique within itself you know um you know there's not another community college like right around the corner or down the street so there is, I think, a real um, commitment to try to get things right around here. Um, and, and sometimes we, we do it and sometimes we don't. And so I, I, I'm appreciative, you know, um, of my time here and, and what Santa Barbara City College has, has given me. And I know that a lot of people that we've interviewed on the show would, would echo the same sentiments about just being in a state of sure, like gratitude and, and also being like, OK, we got to do better, y'all. You know, like it can, we can do two things at once. And, you know, while we have been dealing with a lot of uh, changes in leadership over the past, you know, five years, we can say, you know, I'm definitely in it for the long haul and see kind of like what, you know, the the current leadership is, is trying to do and get done. And so really respect that and just honor that as well as old presidents in the past. We got to be careful at, at, stroking a brush of that person's good that person bad i mean because we're complex you know and institutions are complex in that way there's things that we do well there's things that we don't do well and and that can be basically reduced down to our own lives there's certain things that in our own lives that we do well and certain other things in our own lives that we struggle and have challenges with and that's the the nature of being on the planet you know yeah i've i've had a lot of jobs you know my earlier life you know i've I've done all kinds of things, transcribed videos, worked in an acupuncture school, delivered pizzas, worked at Wiener Sitzel. Like I've run the gamut, private sector, public sector, I've done it all. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely one of the, if not the best job I've ever had, best career I've ever chosen. And, and, and especially I'm grateful to Santa Barbara City College because like I said, when I split from the city, I was in a place where I thought I was going to be at the city forever. I didn't think I'd ever leave the city of Santa Barbara because it was such a great job. So I was kind of in a place where I was like, there's a little bit of imposter syndrome that kicked in. Like, could I do this new job because I've been doing the other one for so long? And did I do the right thing by leaving because I, I had a good thing there and did, and could I do, you know, would I be okay here? And, and how welcomed I felt here at Santa Barbara city college, how much my team supported me when I first started out and how much they, I just felt like everybody had my back that I talked to. And, and everyone just gave me that opportunity to, to be me. I'm, yeah. I'm eternally grateful to Santa Barbara City College because like I said, in terms of I could have changed parts of my personality to kind of work better with some administration changes that happened, you know, at the city of Santa Barbara, the library. But when I came here, they didn't ask that of me. You know, they let me be yeah. me and just yeah. do the work that I, I need to do and, and, and get in where I fit in essentially. And I will be eternally grateful to SBCC for that. And I know, uh, you know, talking to students and, and a lot of folks, it's, it's a similar situation for a lot of folks where Santa Barbara City College gives a lot of folks uh, that, that little sense of belonging that if you don't get it from other places, you at least know that you can get it here. And, and, the, people, and the people here, for the most part, you know, there's always there's always room for, for this and that. But for the most part, everybody's down to let you get in where you fit in and kind of find your find your place. And, and it's it's been beautiful to see. And it was beautiful for me to feel on an individual level as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So there it is. Moving right along to uh, 
our goodie in section. I will I will kick it off and because I wanted to give a special shout out to our campus dining options that are back open. The JSB <laughs> Cafe is open until March 10th. JSB, the, let's go. And the JSB Cafe is, I mean, it, it was a revelation, you know, like discovering the JSB Cafe in the gourmet dining room. Because, you know, I, like I said, I work downtown in Santa Barbara, you know, like I had heard whispers about the gourmet dining room at JSB, but it's one of those things where like downtown in the Mesa it just feels like worlds apart. Like, ah, it's too far for me. I don't think I'm going to go. But now that I, once I started working here, and, and being exposed to JSP the first time, like downtown lunches, it's like, you know, inflation is bad, but the downtown lunch inflation is real bad. There's a couple places that have opened up now where you can get lunch for a reasonable price, you know, the State Street Taqueria, and, you know, Gino's has always been there, the four eggs and pizza, you can get around 10 bucks. But for the most part, if you're getting a drink with your lunch, you're spending 20 bucks minimum, you know? And mm-hmm. so JSB, I, I was there yesterday, salmon with a side and a vegetable, nine dollars with the campus card pay with the campus card to take 10 percent off nine dollars you can't beat it it's uh, it's unbeatable and it was like high quality food the burger is excellent they, they they've switched fries from like the they used to have just the, the big basket of fries which i missed but they said that a lot of folks weren't eating all the fries so now they hand cut fries and do hand cut potatoes and fry that and so they have the big old steak fries so yeah if, if, for folks that maybe might be new to campus and don't know about jsb please go before march 10th and try JSBL, and you will so know. They changed the fries. Yeah, it's not Dang. the big old season fries. The season fries were bomb, was, but man, the season fries were everything. But they were saying that the folks weren't finished the fries, and I, I used to see it where people would get the large fries just throw like half of it away. I mean, that's will never be me, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I've I've grown up from a very very young age. Like you're not built like that, huh? Do not waste food. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm fat and probably have health problems because of it. But, but you know, my principles is my principles. That's all I got. So, yeah, I, I would never waste a single fry if I ordered it. But, yeah, so but they switch to these steak fries, and they're pretty good, too. So they're, they're not seasoned like that, but they're still, like, you can tell they're fresh cut, and they they put the care into it for sure. Yeah, JSB um, was my go-to uh, for a long time, too, as well. Like the burgers, I used to get the Kobe burger. Um, all the salads are good. Um for a while they were selling, I don't know if they still are, but they used to, the milkshakes used to be like, they know, don't have the milkshakes right now, but the milkshakes uh, were so good. Remember those? I'd be oh, like, yo. Man. Yeah. So, the chocolate, the mint chip one. The mint oh. chip. Yep. So yeah, yeah, man, we got to get out and support the, the JSB. And, and also, and also like as someone, you know, I, I got to shout out the cafeteria too. The cafeteria has held me down many, many times. I know, I know folks don't want probably don't want to hear it, but they got <laughs> they got tacos on Thursdays at the cafeteria for a dollar fifty each. If you get four tacos, four tacos with a drink for five bucks. So if you're living, if you're cheap or whatever, frugal, I should say, and you four tacos and a drink for five bucks. I mean, I grew up in an era of you know, food trucks in LA where you get the dollar tacos. That era has passed us all by. Like, I, I feel like it's it's unsustainable. I I don't, I don't know if the dollar taco should ever return because of how thin the margins are and how much people have to sacrifice to make it happen. But to get four tacos and a drink for five bucks, that's close enough. I feel like I can get with that. So I gotta gotta give a shout out to the cafeteria. And I mean, the spaghetti meatballs and the chicken burrito will still hold me down every now and then. Because once <laughs> once JSP goes away, I'm gonna need something for those days when I can't leave campus. So the cafeteria definitely will hold you down. And and, and full disclosure. I ate four tacos and then went to JSB yesterday. So, <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would be able to come clean like how you just did. Yeah, I, I, because I mean, even the folks I went to lunch with at JSB didn't know because because we agreed to go to lunch and I was like, okay, mm. but it was like ten thirty. I was like, I need a break. I'm gonna go to the cafeteria get a snack. You know, I was gonna get a bag of chips or something. But then uh-huh. I saw tacos. I'm like, what? Oh my god, four tacos for five bucks with a drink. So yep, made that happen, and then and then I was like, oh, I'll get a salad when I go to GSB. They had a salmon special, so I got the salmon with the rice and the green beans, Mm-mm-mm. and then I got a cookie <laughs> too. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. I was up at uh, Super Cougars on the Mesa, and I just was tripping off the prices. You know, the, like the, the Cougars taco is huge, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it comes with beans sometimes, stuff, but but yeah, I was it's like probably getting up there. <laughs> Fourteen dollars. For you know, thirteen dollars, fourteen dollars for a burrito. I'm like, man, inflation's real out here, and that's not even with the drink. And you know, oh, we got to come yeah. through with the agua fresca. You know, oh, and that's yeah. at least three dollars for a small. You know, so 
But uh, yeah, man, shout out to the JSB and the calf. The calf has come through for me too in some crunch times where you've forgotten your lunch. You need that little afternoon pick me up. Like, I, you know, I used to get the cookies um, from the cafeteria. I don't know if they're still making those. Some of the baked goods in the cafe and the, and the cafeteria is also really good. Uh, and I know everyone on campus has at least eaten one chicken strip <laughs> if you eat meat. You know what I mean? The, so the chicken strips and fries are probably fueling like 40, 40% of the campus, campus population at any given time. At any given time, I just see people walking out with chicken strips and fries. I mean, and it used to be you could get the chicken strips and fries and be out there for under five bucks. So it definitely made sense too. So, but I mean, it's probably still a great deal now. And, and oh, yeah. 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 We'll, we'll send out the doodle poll. <laughs> How many people on campuses had the chicken uh, strips and fries? That's probably like 99% of the, of the employees have tried that. Yeah, in ter- and in terms of around town, I've been getting a lot of takeout, you know, a lot of takeout, uh, mm-hmm. four eggs, four eggs and pizza, um, Sushi 29 downtown across from China Pavilion, been getting a lot of sushi from there, mm-hmm. and then Christino's Bakery in Goleta. I've mm-hmm. been doing a lot of Christino's Bakery because I-, I love their baked goods, but they're the Mexican food. They do video tacos on the weekend. They got pasole on Fridays. Cheeseburger on Wednesday, Wednesdays, carnitas on Thursday. Why do I know all these? Because yes, I've eaten them all. And all <laughs> yeah. Well, I um, I was gonna say two things real quick. One is one thing I love about going to the cafeteria. It used to be like this, and, and obviously, you know, um, COVID has changed a lot. But I, I would always enjoy, um, you know, the students that were working in the cafe. You know, I think they were in, you know, a lot of international students, um, and um, it's just it's cool to be able to have that little brief interactions, people from different places. And, you know, a lot of their students were from like Sweden and uh, other, other countries. And so that always was like kind of cool. Cause you know, just talking to them, asking how the semester is going and how their midterms and all that, just those little, you know, pockets of, of real genuine conversations for a short period of time. So, and then, you know, I live in CARP, so there's some shots, you know, uh, I've been hitting up too. There's a new store on Carp Avenue. It's called Carp Kitchen. It's kind of like a, oh, um, they, if you like pastrami, I'm really, saying, if you like pastrami, they make the, it's called the New Yorker. It's a house. They make their pastrami in house. Uh, you can also buy it by the pound, but it's just so good. This wow. buttery, oh, uh, just man, like, carp kitchen and then what's also is cool is um they have a whole bunch of just like different types they make um they make like uh all kinds of like pre-packaged meal for dinner so um so everything is kind of like waiting like their mashed potatoes are good um they have their baked goods it's just a small tiny you know quaint uh uh business it used to be where cush crush cakes were oh, on, Car- on Carpinteria yeah. Avenue. Okay. So that, yeah. So everything I've eaten, I've, I've from there is, is good and super friendly. You know, they recognize me every time I come in, they say hello. Last time they kind of hooked me up, gave me some, some bread and just, uh, just a great place to go. If you're in the Carpinteria area, also Guichos is another one of our favorites. It's an Italian spot, the meatball sub, um, AKA the Jeff Walker, um, baseball coach sandwich. He always talks about the, the meatball stub. And I think Andy Gill too also was talking about it as well. So that's the kind of a go-to the spaghetti and the meatballs are good. Just those two uh, um, local restaurants and carp, definitely for the area, uh, you got to give it a shot. I just tried the pastrami at JSB. So I would definitely try the pastrami at Carp Kitchen. The pastrami oh, at JSB was pretty good, but I, I got to try Carp Kitchen. And Guicho's Oh yeah, I was not sure about them when they opened, but then I, all you got to do is try them once. Mm. P- portions are great. Food portions are great. really good, and and yeah, the customer service is great. It's just a, just a good spot. Yeah, so I mean that's kind of where I've I've been kind of in the well in the warehouse lately um, when we've been living. So yeah, all right, all right. that cart kitchen was a spot. Higher learning. You want to kick us off this time, Akil? Um, I've been, I'm going to come correct. Um, I've really been enjoying the Kanye West um, three-part series on Netflix. I, do you know the name of it? Oh, no, exact Genius. Name. Genius. G- J-E-E-N-Y-U-H-S. 
Yeah. Yeah. And man, listen, I so many memories um, get unlocked when I watch that. And and, um, you know, so I've been really, really, really enjoying that and um, would highly recommend it. I know Kanye West, um, you know, everyone kind of is always in the news or recently has been in the news um, more so now than I would say, I don't know, in the past couple of years, but um, to go rewind and go back to his old stuff and, and really see him, it's basically the the premise of, of, of the series is um, he had um, a couple people um, basically document his struggle up until releasing his first album, right? So, and it's just brilliant. I, I it's recorded like on the old school nineteen like nineties early two thousands video camcorder uh it just gives me that nostalgic vibes and um just really what it really took for him to actually ascend to where he's at in the music industry and there's a lot of lessons to be learned you know even if you're not a hip-hop head or a fan but there's a lot of lessons you can derive from that they do a brilliant job of showing his mother their relationship um black people in, in, in the inner city of Chicago, what they're faced with. Um, and then even within the industry of hip hop itself, um, just how people try to get over on people, you know, it's just, there's so many lessons. So, you know, don't think like, Oh, it's Kanye. I don't want to, you know, listen to it because of what you may know in the media. Um, I would definitely urge everyone to check that out. And, and that's the thing is like Kanye today. Yeah. He's, he's pretty problematic. Yeah. He probably has some, some mental health things that may be treated or untreated. Yeah. He's, he's got a lot of issues. His, his, his album output in the past few years has been inconsistent, you know, but, but you have, I mean, if you put on those nostalgic glasses and you look back at that era of Kanye, he could, he never missed. He could do no wrong. Everything was a classic. Nope. Every beat he made was revolutionary. Like I, I am conflicted about the Kanye West of today, but I have unconditional 100% pure love for that, that era of Kanye and all his artistic output, his artistic messaging at the time. I mean, all the things that he did, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to quantify without actually being there and being of age. Like the idea of, 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 of him, like he wasn't even allowed to be like a full hip hop fan. Cause I was still like, that was the era of Tim's and you had to be gangster. He, I mean, he brought the, the kind of backpack aesthetic, so to, so to speak, they call them backpackers because of his Louis Vuitton backpack. Or he brought that backpack aesthetic into hip hop. He brought the underground, a lot of underground artists into mainstream awareness. He produced some beats and did some things in terms of, it's not just the sped up soul sample. It's just the, it's just the layering of the soul on the, on the traditional drums on the, on that, the East coast drum breaks that you were getting and putting that soul flip on it and, and just, and then, and then going and producing another album and getting that, you know, like having that Chicago, that footwork sound as a backdrop to some of the, some of the BTD for common. I mean, it, it, it just hit the artistry and the, the, the skill and the quality and the, and the level that he was at consistently in that time. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So, so to have that, cataloged and and to be able to kind of look back and see in the moment how these things happen like mm -hmm. when i was watching that and saw like him and most dev dropping the the two words versus just mm -hmm. hearing that i mean just, and they were just kind of sitting kind of kicking in the studio and just all of a sudden this just just like classic just like spills out because it was it was just about the creation at that time he was just hungry there was no money to get in the way there was no fame to get in the way he was just really hungry and really creative and he was smart enough to have someone come in and record all that, like, like, you know, document this creative process. And you think about Virgil Abloh, who passed away, you know, uh, a few months ago, 41. He was the creative designer at Louis Vuitton, but he started as Kanye West creative director. So, and he was another spirit who was really just about purely about creation. He really just cared deeply about the creative process, about artistry, about, about letting people, you know, be free and express themselves. And, and so he had a kindred spirit in, in Kanye at that time. And it was, it was seeing this documentary and, you know, there's three parts. We only the two first two parts have been released as of this recording. 
I don't know what the third part is like. Supposedly it's it's the later era, so we'll see what that's like. But these first two parts, that that's really what spoke to me is just the, the freedom at which he was creating, and 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 just how pure his expression was at that time because he right. hadn't been clouded by the industry, he hadn't been clouded by the fame that got to his head or the expectations and pressure that come from dropping classic after classic. I, I mean, to follow up a classic with another classic and then to actually do it. Because, you know, you talk about there's a sophomore slump in music where, where folks are get caught, get it caught up in their head. How do you follow up that first album? You're waiting your whole life to put that first album out. So you know, kind of, you have it all laid out. You, it, it, it's going to be a classic because it, it's the buildup. It's your life's work in that first album. Yeah. So how do you, where do you go from there? What is that second album like? And Kanye dropped four or five classics in a row. He, you know, it was college dropout to late registration to graduation to 808s and then to dark twisted fantasy that five album run is an all-time run and and it's one of those things where i don't know about kanye today because it, it just it's un, his output is uneven things are different but yeah it's just well, that artistry is undeniable well i mean look i think also you know it, you know a part of you know we talked about earlier in the show about you know there's things that we get right and there's things that we don't get right and how we're all complex in a lot of ways. And, you know, my thought on, on Kanye is like, it's, it's, it's who he is, you know? And I think that we say, Oh, the old Kanye, I want the old Kanye. It's like, no, Kanye is Kanye and people go through life. Um, and, you know, you're faced with situations and tribulations and, you know, that isn't, we can't separate the two is basically what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I know that that five album run was hot and what he's producing now or what's being released now, maybe not be, maybe it's not like that, but you know, like we got to love him wholly. You know what I'm saying? Like, like just to be able to be like, okay, I'm not really get, I can't really get down with what you're putting out now as much as I was getting down with what you were dropping previously. However, I see you in your entirety, you know, and, 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 you know, all the challenges that he may be facing or go with mental health and those type of issues. But I'm just like, yo, you know, I see you as your whole self, Kanye, you know, and that's just kind of my thought process. One of the things that I really, you know, and I know there's probably young people trying to, you know, come up and, and be in the hip hop industry and stuff. And, they should watch that because it really shows it shows the struggle of you know what you actually have to do right and so with music we see the end game we see it after the album's already been produced it's already dropped the videos are already out but we don't see what it took to get to that point and so that's why the documentary or the three-part series is so good because people don't see that and so on netflix when they when they released it you see like what he was doing and you see how you know he was trying to get studio time and people were like dissing him out people were giving him the runaround people were like he was asking for 15 minutes of i think it was um a ludicrous uh session he's like yo can i use can i get at least the last 10 15 minutes of your time you see the um how everyone's trying to come up and you see how people are kind of shady with each other you know there was one i don't want to spoil it too much but there's an interaction between Kanye and Ludacris where I thought it was like, dang, that's cold, man. Like, you know, basically Kanye was out in the parking lot trying to talk to him and he's trying to finish a song and he's like, yo, I'm trying to do this. Rolled up his window and, you know, and he's sitting in the G-Wagon. Ludacris is sitting in the G-Wagon. Kanye out here on his foot hustling, you know, like it's just just a lot of lessons. And, and the last thing I'll say also too is, we all know like what you were saying Hong, that he started off as a producer and he basically got gets pigeonholed in that space for a long time and he's trying to break out that mold and and we all can relate to that sometimes even with our own jobs where where people only see you as the person that works in emissions and there's you know what i mean or the person who is only does this and the reality of it all is that people are more than that and we need to recognize that you know, people will be like, yeah, you know, Akil, he works in emissions. He's the mission guy. Well, you know, we all know everyone's more than what they just show up to work for. And so the video does a great job at showing him kind of like triumphant or overcome what he had to overcome to actually to become a, a rapper. And so 
um, that's that's another lesson that I felt was really really special in a lot of ways, and and the, ultimately the relationship with his mom. Yeah, I mean that's where I kind of these first two parts have been a great kind of document of the come up, and I'm very curious where part three goes because part three has not been released as of this recording. Part three is going to be you know they 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 haven't seen each other for I think ten fifteen years, and then he links up back up with him you know for the, some of his later output. I, I'm curious what that's like because that that'll kind of show you the other side, the, the, the come up, and then the influence, the industry influence, his life in the limelight, which is just unbelievable amounts of pressure and stuff, and just seeing how that changes him. You know, like it's it's mm-hmm. it, it definitely has. I mean, he he's not putting that MAGA hat on when college dropouts coming out, <laughs> chilling with Jay Z. So or the George Bush don't like black people. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was what like late register. That was oh man, yeah. That I mean. He's always been a polymath, creative in very like all kinds of different ways, and mm-hmm. you know Virgil Abloh, another person similar in his in, that was in his sphere, and it's just yeah. Very I mean, creative we all kind of do that on the small scales too, though. I mean, think about how many people you know get a, a certain job and they start to advance, they start to move up the ranks, and then they're they're one they become different people, right? Like, and then the, their connection with you. Like all of a sudden, like they don't have time to have conversations with you anymore. The check-ins oh, yeah. aren't there. But and and so again, it's like the higher you kind of go up on if you want to call that, um, the scale, things shift and things change and relationships are lost. And we we know people that are like that. And and I'm guilty of that as well. And I, I will also say as someone who tries to avoid, you know, like I I, I try to be this man of the people, this and that, it's it's a lot of work. It's not easy. And it also, I fail at it many times. I mean, you know how many times I tell you how I'm a total sellout, you know, like I'm a total, I'm a total sellout. Like it, it's, it's okay to say it, but it's also like, yeah, I try to be that opposite, that man of the people who's, who's always there for people, always sort of accommodating. And, and that's not easy. And I, and I fail at that many times. So I definitely see the both, the, you know, both aspects of this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's those, those things where, yeah, that, that happens to everybody. He's just, an, at the end of the day, he's just another human being going through his thing. And, you know, he might have been given a, a, a more of a platform to kind of be free and creatively express himself. But at the same time, it's one of those things where he, these first two episodes show that that path does exist for everybody, but it's not an easy path to walk either. It's not like it's like gumdrops and lollipops on the way to making it, you know, like you really got to hustle. You really got to grind. You really got to work. And he put in that work. And, and was it worth the cost is what, you know, I guess part three we'll, we'll, we'll figure out by then. Yeah. 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 I mean, the foresight, it also speaks to thinking about that, the the fact that he had the ability to have someone kind of document it. It speaks to his foresight of him being able to really believe in himself, like really be completely confident in who he is as um, as an artist and to, to have someone document that. I mean, I really I just when I'm watching it, I'm like, wow, what such a genius in a lot of ways because he had unwavering conviction that he was going to blow up and he literally that all came into fruition and um you know one of the other things that i loved about it was you know it talks about you know shows his relationship with him and his mother and you know you don't see a lot of that right you don't see a lot of you know hip-hop always gets that tag of you know it degrades women and all of that right and 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 of course that's true i mean you can't sit here and say that there's not that element of misogyny in um in hip-hop however to see like what his mother meant to him and how she affected him and how she grounded him like we have to we have to celebrate that because we don't see enough of that in in the industry you know and so it's just, you know, if you're going to tune in and watch it, just really watch that dynamic between him and his mother. It's really a, a, a beautiful thing. And, you know, as someone who loves his mother dearly and, and, and is forever indebted to my mother, uh, it hit close to home for me just because she really gr- grounded him, you know. And 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 her passing is, is a big what if in his life in terms of both what it meant for him in terms of her being that grounding force. And mm-hmm. in terms of his mental health going forward, because she was that grounding force. Yep. So it's one of those things where I think about Tyson and Customato, 
what if Cousin Mato never passes in Mike Tyson's life? Because we saw how where Mike Tyson's life became very problematic and spiraled out of control. Yeah. Because of that loss of that humbling force. So I think of Kanye's mom a lot, like I think of Customato and those kind of situations that what if, but but yeah, it, it, it's definitely worth watching. How do you feel about Kanye in terms of the, the document the documentation of that whole process and that era of time? Because even as someone who I was in college when college dropout came out and it just it was like it was a total paradigm shift. You know, I, the, the term paradigm shift has become cliche at this point, but it it was it was a big change and, and it, it was it was cool to live through, you know, honestly. But, yeah, it yeah. definitely was. I mean, and also too, like, you know, you, you start to think about life and so much of, of life is about timing. Like sometimes like, you know, we've all been in places, right. Where you roll up, up to a place where you're like, damn, the line's going to be long. And then you roll up and there's no line. And you're like, so you're talking to the person, whoever's working at the counter or the window, they're like, and then you're like, wow, there's no one here. And they're like, and they'll tell you, well, if you're here five minutes ago, the line was out the door around the corner. <laughs> right. And so you're like, so much in life is, is about just that timing. Sometimes in life you get on the freeway and it's smooth sailing, but sometimes you're like, dang, you get on behind a big rig and you're stuck and you can't get over. And like, and so what, my point in all this is when Kanye's album actually dropped, the timing of it um, cannot be under understated because everyone was into that. It was gangster rap. It was that East Coast, the West Coast. And when his album dropped, it was like literally like it was like the clouds basically parted and the sun actually came through. And so so much in, of life is just about when it happens at the moment that it, it, it does. And, and he rolled with a lot of a lot of setbacks. You know, the car accident had his jaw wired shut, all that stuff. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. And Which you can even make the argument that if it wasn't for the accident, you don't get the college dropout. How we get the college dropout? Oh, his first singles through the wire. I mean, yeah, yeah and, and he's yeah. You can you can hear the the slight mumble from his jaw being wired shut in that moment, and you can you can hear the hunger in his voice. Yep. And that and that Chaka Khan loop that is yep. just a classic classic. It, I mean in the moment it felt like it was just like that breath of fresh air because you know i, I grew up on that that you know golden era mid 90s that that native tongues mm-hmm. you know gang started when when guru did jazz where he jazz did, a lot, yep. did a lot of he did a lot of horns a lot of really jazzy stuff with his hip-hop and and because guru's you know he's he's gangstar he was bringing that that legit like like tough flow to mm-hmm. the jazzy loop so hearing kanye do his sped up soul stuff it spoke to me because it was a natural evolution of that of that you know sound and so to just bring that mainstream and then have everybody on the planet doing that kind of music for a couple of years it was just like yeah and then common blows up talib kwali blows, blows up, up. most I mean, even, blows even up. slum slum village slum, bl- he, he produced a slum village album and i mean slum village dilla was in that crew so Man, I you, love already, slum you, village. you already had jay dilla producing and you still brought kanye okay. in and he still found another layer to that sound that was like that's the village album that i mean kanye jumped out that one track and did the feature and he was yeah the new version of pete rock he called it himself so yeah i mean it is yeah uh, yeah it's just one of those things where i I hate to be that old guy like you had to be there but i mean the the kids that tell me who cares about kanye like i really do care about kanye like i don't i don't want to even anymore but i do (laughs) like i can't help myself you know yeah i just think about the people that are in the that were being recorded like in the early 2000s when they're making him like there's a scene where he goes into it looks like it was a denny's and he's talking to these college students right and then i'm thinking now like it must be crazy for them to watch that back and they were like that's me i actually met kanye like like <laughs> they are literally in the documentary you know and I think it was kind of fitting for us to talk about the college dropout since we work at a community college <laughs> and uh, i mean we're not condoning dropping out of college not that's not what we're saying here but i think it's 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 special in that way also one other quick point is it really shows how the impact of music and culture affects um affects us and how it unlocks memories like you can be like haven't heard a song and even with like you haven't heard a song uh in like 15 years and then you hear it and then it automatically transports you to a, a space and time and then 
you know, like even like we were talking about the remakes, right? The Shaka Khan loop. And and so my mom will listen to that and she'd be like, oh, this is my jam. Like, I used to listen to this when I was at the party. And then I'm like, no, that's my song. That's my jam. I used to listen to it, you know, and totally two different uh, spaces and places and time. But the, the you know, feeling that is derived from that is absolutely like priceless. You know, and and that's why, you know, we talked about you talk about going out and seeing um, the arts, you know, um, the show that's opening up on what's campus. Uh, what's the name of that again? You mentioned it. Oh, the, the Bird of the Orient Express at the Garden yeah. Theater. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's absolutely important that we honor and we show up and we support um, that because that's what art does. You know, that's how art makes us feel. And and it, it really communicates. um a lot for people who just are at a loss for words, you know, they're like, I don't really know how to say that, but listen to that track. This is exactly how I feel. You know, I mean, a lot of music I listen to, I, I don't get the lyrics in the first pass. I don't, I like, I listen to music in Spanish. I don't know half the Spanish, but I respect the creativity and I just Absolutely. appreciate, I just bask in the creativity. And yeah. sometimes that's enough for me, you know? Yep. And, and like, when I, when, if I go to opera, you know, like yep. I can't, I don't know the vibe of opera. I'm, I'm a fish out of water, but I will go and sit and bask in the creative creative juices that are flowing and you feel something you feel a certain ways maybe yeah. you don't want to go out and make make an, an opera piece but you might think about other things differently afterwards and that's and that's you know that's the beauty of art that's that's why the arts are so important absolutely absolutely yeah see i was like man i i don't want to talk about Kanye that much but it's easy because it was like it's hard to state how important that man was to, to a certain part of my life you know so yeah well, yeah, I mean, I think good artists all of us recognize or sees a part of ourselves in them. You know what I mean? Like, and, and then we, there are certain artists that you know, we start thinking about, like, like Michael Jackson and Prince and the Beatles. And there's those artists like Willie Nelson. Like, there's those artists where people can literally see themselves or part of themselves in that particular artist. And Kanye is just like one of those you know, and in that regard, we're a bit eccentric in a lot of ways. And you kind of see that in, in, in the first couple episodes. But that's a part of the greatness is that that piece of being a little bit eccentric and like you're like, I don't know if I would say that or I don't know if I would do that. But that's what makes those these type of um, artists is so unique. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's why music and art is so just a beautiful part of, of of our culture in this country you know so yeah good pick worth watching it's on netflix uh, i'll put the link in the show notes my pick for this week i got a couple music picks and then a couple uh video picks um the new earth gang album actually as of this recording uh came out this morning at midnight <laughs> but i was <laughs> looking forward to it so much that i did stay up and listen to it and let's do it again this morning because Earth Gang has been on that that kind of tear in terms of this is their second album. So their first album, classic. If you haven't heard their Earth Gang, first Earth Gang album, it's amazing. This album is amazing. I, I, I need a few more listens to let it fully sink in, but I feel like it's another classic in the making. In between, they, they did that Spillage Village album, and they also jumped on that J. Cole, uh, Revenge of the Dreamers, that compilation. I mean, every every feature, every song, everything they've put out in the past, you know, four or five years has just been on that level where if they if they keep at this if they keep doing this for you know a few more years a few more albums we may be having to put them in the conversation of, of the best hip-hop duos of all time you know you got you got outcast you got epmd you got gangstar if you want to count you know guru and premiere you know mm-hmm. they're not both mcs but as a duo but yeah and and you you're gonna have to put earth gang in there pretty soon because they're they're really holding it down so uh, the Earth Gang record, and then the new Nas record. You know, Black History Month is 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 you know we're talking about hip hop, but Nas is is just that dude where this album Magic he did it with Hit Boy. Uh, the consistency with which Nas has has been just really good to all time. I mean, his first album. It, it, you talk about the pressure of living up to a classic album. His yeah. first album is a lot of people's greatest hip hop album of all time. Yeah, you know, so Illmatic, and then following up with it was written where everyone gives it was written. Mm. Uh, they, they don't give it enough credit because it's still an amazing album, but because it's not Illmatic, they held it against him. Yeah, and then, you know, he went with the shiny suit Nostradamus, which is you know, 
still good, but a little uneven. He and he had some. He's had some interesting releases over the years that you wouldn't call absolute classics. But his entire catalog. I mean, he's 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 got classics sprinkled throughout his entire catalog. You know, Stillmatic is a classic. Godson a, is a classic. classic. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 his King's Disciple albums that he put out recently have been pretty good. And 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 this Magic album is really good as well. So it just I just want to roar that consistency. And he's also you know recently been changing his kind of lyrical content. He's talking he's talking telling people how to invest in crypto. He's telling people how to invest in tech stock. He's talking about he's an entrepreneur and stuff like his his lyrical content has changed as he's gotten older. So it's it's kind of cool to see that career arc where someone who's still just lyrically just amazing has been able to kind of stay at that level, but also change the content because you know when he was Illmatic Nas is it ain't hard to tell, you mm-hmm. know, like New York State of Mind and all and that, that stuff. Was like, one, that's grimy. one of my favorite, man. <laughs> it's, I mean, he, I still remember that his first verse was on that main source track, Live at the Barbecue. And mm-hmm. he just came out of nowhere. No one knew who the kid was at the time. And he just, just killed it. And it's like, who is this guy? And then he paused up with Illmatic. And then just to just to have that, I mean, it's we're coming up on this is gonna be the 30 year anniversary of Illmatic dropping, you know. So man, it's that, like to be in the game for 30 years and to have any sort of consistency and to just be so good and just still on the pulse of things. Cause now he's, yeah, yeah his, his content has changed. I have to give it up to Nas, you know, like it, he, he may not be your number one, but he's definitely in your top five, you know, like, yeah, well, so he might be in your top three or top two, but he's, he's definitely got to be up there because he's earned his place. Like it's, it's what, what, what is greatness? It's, it's consistency over time. Like you, you talk about boxing, the true test of a champion is not winning the belt. It's losing the belt and getting it back sometimes, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. not everyone's not everyone's gonna be Rocky Marciano or Floyd Mayweather where they, they never lose. You know, it's it's the person that loses and gets it back is the true test of a champion. And that consistency over time, you have to be great over a long period of time to even yeah. have the opportunity to lose a belt and get it back. Yeah. And and, and you know, like there's no belt in hip hop, not to say Nas ever lost a belt, but he's consistently always been punching for that punching for that top, you know, top spot. Every time he grabs the mic and puts an album out, he's he's trying to be the best that ever did it, you know. So it's it's something that to do try to do that over thirty years, it's probably exhausting and whatever it is. But, but yeah, and I that day. Illmatic is no joke, man. That's I I, <laughs> I want one love is literally one of my top favorite hip hop songs of all time. I think it has to be in my top three. And man, and I also would say also I think that's the only album that's ever got five mics on Source. I don't, yeah, I don't. Source is probably not even around anymore. Or, or but if, there are, there are probably a few five mic albums, but yeah, yeah. It's, it, you but I think it was count. one of the first. Yes, absolutely. And then that's because, when everyone started chasing five mics, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So AZ, I mean, he, the, the, the crew that he was rolling with and stuff, like, yeah, Nas is definitely that dude. And it's, and it's in terms of when you saw time and celebrating the culture, you talk about Black History Month celebrating the culture. Nas is an essential part of hip hop culture, you know. Yeah. Even even Uchiwali, Uchiwali, <laughs> they got him called out by Jay Z talking about his bodyguards had the best verse on Uchiwali. But yeah, so <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so I got a rep on Nas. And the two, the two video specials I want to list are stand up specials. Uh, one's by Moses Storm called Trash White. It's about him growing up poor. He was he was a uh, one of four uh, one of five kids with a single mom that lived out of bus for a while. I guess they were part of a cult that went south. Something, but it's it's on it's on hbo and it's um just talks about growing up poor and it's just one of those things that really spoke to me as someone who did grow up poor as well like a lot of the things he says a lot of the knowledge he spits is, is real and it's it's uh it's just it's really funny too but it's also one of those things where the message is great and then i may have mentioned it before on the show but just want to really highlight it whitner thomas the golden one uh he's another one who grew up uh he grew up in alabama um and his his mom was a musician and uh, you talk about, you know, the people who hustle and try to make it. She was on the cusp of a record deal, major label record deal, and ended up not getting it. It just fell through. And she ended up uh, drinking herself to death, died of alcoholism, right, as mm-hmm. he moved out to L.A. So it's another one of those things where he moved out to L.A. to become a, you know, comedian, musician. And he has his special, but at the same time, he also sees, sees or saw how, it, how that kind of thirst for the limelight and that chasing that, chasing that dream affected his family in terms of the passing of his mom so yeah Whitmer Thomas the golden one and Moses Storm uh, trash white I'll put those links in the show notes as well yeah good good selections man yeah the yeah. two stand-up specials are white guys so I couldn't I couldn't go all black history month but at the same time those are pretty good pretty good stand-up specials and, and yeah all right all right we made it just me and you the, <laughs> just the two of us we can <laughs> yep. make it if we try all right 
you and that. Yep. <laughs> so uh, we got some some great guests lined up for y'all this this uh, coming up. Uh, we'll, we're gonna keep that ball rolling, but we wanted to get out, say hello, you know, let everyone know we're still here, we're still doing it, just like all y'all have been holding it down on campus. Yeah. You know, staff, faculty, students, y'all have been doing great, and we know it's been busy. We've been busy too, but we're here. And, yep. uh, yeah. Any any final words, Keel? Anything you want to anything you want to say before we go? No, nah, just you know, happy Black History Month, and uh, you know, check out the selections, and you know, I'm I'm gonna yeah. hit up GSP to get those steak fries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like if you learned anything from this episode, it's, it's it's just appreciate, respect the culture. I mean, add to it if you can, but if not, just just enjoy the moment because, like, you know, those moments that we talked about, like hearing Kanye in in you know turn of the century, like I, I did not put any kind of value in that. I did not put like a flag down and say this is going to be a landmark moment. You know, it just yeah. ends up hitting that way and it ends up coming back to me over and over again. Those moments are, are, are all throughout our lives. You know, you have the, the, that opportunity to create that moment that just resonates in your brain. So, yeah. so even now when it seems things are crazy and things are like, like we are in the worst timeline or we're in the pits of the pits of despair, like there's still the opportunity to, to, to just bask in the creative culture and just kind of find, find that, find those moments that will kind of keep you going. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, brilliantly said, Han. I mean, I, I think that's what it is. You know, I, you know, again, I just wanted to tell people to watch it. You know, <laughs> I think you'll be shocked because, you know, people's similarities are are far greater than their differences. And you may not like hip hop, um, but you can definitely find some a little piece of yourself in Kanye, guaranteed. And uh, yeah, we'll all see. right. All right, y'all. Until next time. This was the Keto Watches. All right. Take care. Peace. Peace.